I, I, I want to re-examine what Chris shared because I felt like it was very timely and it was right on the mark. How many of you feel that way? That what he shared last Sunday and what was shared Friday and actually what was shared before and the Friday before with Stephen Francis and what was shared before that and what was shared. I just feel like we've been on a great journey and the Lord's been unfolding. It's almost like Jesus is being revealed in this hour. Where are we living? In Revelation, I think, and uh, we are. That's what the day, these days are about. It's the revelation of Jesus, and that's what we have to keep in mind in everything. But I, I want to just uh, read a scripture to you and, and regarding what my wife is doing, what Michael was speaking about. Look with me, if you would, over into Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, beginning with verse 6. So this is the chapter of faith. And it begins by saying, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. But it's also, show me your faith. If you don't have works, your faith is dead. Is that what the scripture says? And so faith is, is living out the work that he's done in us. Displaying the wonder of who he is to the world, and but walking out a life of obedience. But notice this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God, and he that comes to him must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek, and we know. But look in verse 7. Now this is faith. By faith, Noah. So this is an act of faith, being divinely warned of things that were not yet seen. What did he do? He moved in godly fear. You see, not all fear is necessarily of the devil. This is a godly fear that caused Noah to get up off of his, whatever you can fill in the blank, and do something about what he was warned about from, it was a divine warning. How many of you know God gives divine warnings? He's been sending prophet after prophet to this nation over all of my lifetime. And, and anyway, so we have to do something about it. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. And here's what he did. He prepared an ark. Now, what was the result of that? It saved his household. What if Noah had not prepared that ark? So he prepared the ark for the saving of his household, of which he condemned the world. And so his very action was a contrast, contrast to those living by faith and those in the world who had no faith. And uh, he, that really brought, a, it says, a condemnation. It showed them that judgment was on the way, that God had made a separation. And he became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So it's about faith. It is about seeking him. That is number one. But we don't stop there. By faith he was warned of things not yet seen. And he moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark. Saved his household. Those who he was responsible for. And therefore he judged the world and he became an heir of righteousness of, through faith. Now, Amos chapter 3, verse 7 through 8, you know this scripture. It says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared, who will not fear? And the Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy? Now, I, I was asking the Lord... How do we respond to the, what happened here last weekend? Because I want to be faithful. I, I met this guy this week. Um, I read his books. You know, he wrote these books on revival. Jeff. I can't remember his last name, but he'll forgive me. But he works at Morningstar now. He's the guy that does the Morningstar Journal. And he was telling me. He said, you know, we get a lot of good articles in, to submit for the journal. But... Most of them are just good articles for any day. Rarely is anyone speaking into the purposes of God for the moment. 
you know, we're to have a timely word. And he shared an experience about his church. He was in some spiritual church somewhere after 9-11. And the pastor got up and he just gave a little lip service to what happened on 9-11. And, and then they prayed a little token prayer at the end. But the message was just a general message. Could have been preached any day, at any time, at any season. And I woke up this morning thinking about that, and um, I'm glad I met Jeff. He's a great guy. Really, I love reading what he wrote about revivals, but um, I woke up thinking, you know, I know that you and I, and I've shared this before, we're called to a people. The people we're with right now are the most important people that we will ever meet, because there's no guarantee you're going to meet anybody else. So these are the people that you, you're committed to. And then we're called to a place, Moravian Falls. I didn't choose Moravian Falls. I didn't even really want to come here. And the Lord made it known. He, you know, how many of you really didn't want to come here? There's some of you didn't, but uh, anyway, some of you did. When the Lord convinces you, you usually want to, but anyway, to a place. You just go. I've always believed God made a man for the voice, a voice no, an, an hour for the voice, a voice for the hour, a man for the place, a place for the man. You just go and let God take care of all the hard things. And, uh, but not only, but we're called to a period of time. If I got up and just preached some general message that would work any day in history, that might, you might be blessed, but it wouldn't ignite faith because we're called to the moments that God has called us to. We got to know how to survive in the moment, live, thrive, overcome in the times we're living. Does that make sense? And then we're always to point people to the person of Jesus. Always. Jesus is the answer. That's why I so like preaching in the, on the little iPad to Uganda. Because I tell them Jesus is the answer. And you know what? They believe it. And they're receiving that answer. Ain't no other answer. I don't know any other, any other hope. He is, he's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He not only is the way, he makes a way where there seems to be no way. So anyway, let's just review that dream and then I want to get into the word. But he had this dream in Moravian Falls a couple nights before, what was it, the Thursday night, I guess, before he spoke on Friday. And he saw in, in one dream the man dressed in black suit, tore up a $50 bill in three stages. He believed the $50 bill represented the United States. And then he, had, he said, and he explained this a little more at the meetings this week up at the lodge, he said it was like, so you know how these guys come, hear ye, hear ye, you know, and they're blowing the, ringing their bell, and they've got the word, they've got news. They've got the news for the day or whatever, and, and that's what it was like. And the first one came and said, the U, he saw, written on the front page of the newspaper, the U.S. dollar drops 30% in value. Now, when I hear that, I think, God, if it only drops 30% in value, that's pretty good. Because what I'm hearing, 30% would be really wonderful. But he goes on the next little article, Middle East oil strikes deal with China instead of the U.S. I know what you, how many of you know what that is? It's the petrodollar. How many of you know that the world has been built on the dollar as far as the, the reserve currency? There are 150 nations that have already signed on to dump the dollar. In fact, there's only one currency now that's backed by gold. You know what that is? The ruble. Everything our politicians are doing, they think they're hurting Russia. They're actually, it probably all planned, they're actually hurting us. I don't know, I've grown a little cynical in my day. I believe the, the heart of man is wicked, deceitful. I don't trust any man. I know the Bible says men will grow more corrupt and more wicked. And I'm seeing it happen. 
Anyway, we, he had this. And then the next thing he saw, here you know this news, come on, read all about it. The perfect storm, inflation reaches a new high. And then another, food shortage crisis. A, as wheat and bread imports are at a stalemate. Now these are the headlines on the newspaper in the dream. And then riots and civil unrest as citizens demand entitlement checks. How many of you know that would happen? You cut off the entitlement checks. It's been part of the plan. They know exactly what's going to happen. And then he saw an earthquake happened under his feet. And then Israeli-Palestinian two-state solution. That seems to ring a bell. And then a major earthquake hits the middle of the U.S. Now, these were all the headlines. And then another one. America in pieces. More states succeed from the nation in rebellion to the federal government. And then the U.S. military takes charge as uncertainty looms over the federal government. And then he said a man in black took a new dollar bill and he said it, would, it looked like a cell phone. You know, how many of you know what that is? It's the digital dollar. Did you know the president has already signed an executive order commanding all of the U.S. agencies to prepare for a digital dollar? To lay the groundwork. More than that, it's an urgency. It's been in the making for a long time. You know, if they have a digital dollar, they can shut you down if you don't say what they want you to say. So there are going to be challenges for churches. You know, churches that were built on the whim of a man are going to fall in the hours to come. Those who were built to build up their own kingdom are not going to make it. Those who were building on his kingdom will make it. Everything that can be shaken especially the American church. Not every church is going to survive. Except the church. How many of you plan on surviving? Because my survival is not based on this building. He's building something much, much stronger. And then what did I see this week? Did you know they had... God, I can't believe we're living in this time. They're having... Where is it? Abdu... I don't know, some city over there. The World Government Summit. You know what they're talking about? A digital dollar. You can control what someone... You can monitor every purchase they make, and you can shut off their purchases. And they would not be able to buy or sell. And then another new currency for a renewed nation. I'm going to believe that. And then another, simplicity restored as Americans begin to grow their own food again. If you're not preparing in this day, don't you dare call yourself a person of faith. Faith, Noah, moved with godly fear. And because he moved, he saved his own household. So anyway, I'm just going to tell you the way I feel. Forgive me if I'm a little blunt. Because I feel like this is it. If things go back to normal, then we'll just forgive one another. And there ain't no normal. The normal is the kingdom of God. Everything else is abnormal. Most things I read, people are going crazy. They've lost their mind. So that's why we're living in what he said, a Kairos moment, and I won't go into that. And remember what Chris said. He said, God's not trying to reform Babylon. He's going to bring it down. Amen. You know, I don't think this scripture's on the screen, but I, I want to read something really quickly. Isaiah 26. How do we respond, Lord? You know, there are a couple things. Sunday, reading all these dreams. And then Friday night was a different promise. I want to respond to both of them. I'm going to get to Friday night in a moment because that's where the subject is. But how do you respond to this, these things? Well, I woke up thinking about Isaiah 26 this morning. And I just want to show you. Look at Isaiah 26. This is the way messages often come. Scriptures are quickened. I wake up thinking about, you know. And uh, so you just do what the Lord tells you to do. But Isaiah 26 
In that day, verse 1, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Say, we have a strong city. And God will appoint salvation for walls and bulwarks. Now, we've not been appointed to wrath, but to obtain what? Salvation. So when you see the wrath of God begin to be revealed out there, you've not been appointed to wrath but to obtain salvation. We have to remember the Scriptures. Open the gates that the righteous nation, which keeps the truth, may enter in, and you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind has stayed on you. The nation who keeps the truth. Because he trusts in you, trust in the Lord forever, for in Yahweh the Lord is everlasting strength. For he brings down those who dwell on high. So God will be a strength to some people, but others, he's going to bring them down from their lofty positions. Do you see that? Anybody else see that? The lofty city, he lays it low. He lays it low to the ground. He brings it down to the dust. And the foot shall tread it down, and the feet of the poor, and the steps of the needy. But anyway, verse 7. The way of the just is righteous. Uprightness, O oh, most upright. You weigh the path of the just. Yes, in the way of your judgments. Now, this is interesting. O oh, Lord, we've waited. We've expected you. The desire of our soul is for your name. How many of you would say, our desire is that God's name be exalted, that Jesus be lifted up, no matter what, and for the remembrance of your, you. With my soul, I've desired you in the night. In the darkest times, where else are you going to turn, but you will turn to Him. And guess what? If you look for Him, guess what's going to happen? You're going to find Him. Yes, by my Spirit within me, I will seek you early. Now look at this. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. What happens if the judgments are not in the earth? We'll look in verse 10. Let grace be shown to the wicked... Yet he will not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he will deal unjustly. He'll continue in his course, his current path of unjust wickedness and rebellion. But then it goes on and says, but Lord, don't lift your hand, basically. Lord, we must see your judgments. Because his judgments... God is going to do something to show Himself faithful to His people. It's the only way. So anyway, you know how we, how we respond to what was spoken last Sunday? Now we know what it means to pray in Revelation. Even so, come Lord Jesus. So that's what we're going to... I'm going to pray. I'm going to respond. So Lord, regardless of what happens, our prayer is... Because we read, we just read Isaiah 26. You just show them grace, they're not going to turn to you. And so, Lord, we pray, we've waited for your judgments. Even so, come. Now, that means a little bit different than what they've told us. But even so, come. You know, everything's going to be shaken, right? You gotta have to, you're going to have to be a little bit like John the Baptist. You remember when they said, they said, what would you come to see in the wilderness? A reed shaken by the wind? Or some man dressed in soft clothing? Now, he wasn't that impressive to look at. But John was unshakable. And you and I are going to have to be the same. And if you're living on the kingdom, regardless of the intensity of the squalls that will come our way, you will be standing when it's all said and done. Did you hear me? Everything else, and nothing else is going to stand. Can you believe we get to live in this hour? You've been chosen not to be religious. The day of being religious, it's been over. You can go to many places, and I promise you, you'll hear a message. You could hear it, and you just go on, and, and they're going to be swept. It's going to be a startling time. Now, regarding last Friday, 
Do you know what Chris also spoke? He said, we would have four generations of fire. So when I look at both of those words, I look at Sunday and I go, whoa. I look at Friday and I go, wow. And that kind of fits with what we're supposed to be anyway. We've already said we're not going to just preach woe is me messages. You preach wow is God. You got to tell people woe, but you got to show them the wow. If you don't tell them the woe, they won't know the wow. The good news is better when there's the context of the woe. The wages of sin is death. The last time I read, period, for a nation, for a family, for an, that's it. But the gift of God. It's not the end of the story. Okay. So in other words, and then he confirmed that word because he said something happened on March the 13th. Remember that? You know, March the 13th was the day that the lady gave the word about fire. Fire. So how are we going to survive the fire? We're going to be on fire. But I need to show you something. Look at Luke chapter 12. I'll just breeze through all this. Some of it. And some of it. You can't breeze. You can't. Boy, the winds have been crazy lately, hadn't they? We're, we're trying to clear out some more land so we can have places to grow some things. And so um, a couple of days we couldn't do it. The trees, I thought they were just going to come down. That would have been pretty good. It saved me. And it's not cheap to, to cut down trees in this hour. But anyway, no big deal. You need to spend, you need to get what you need to get while you can get it. Verse 49, Luke 12. Now, let me, let me read, quote something and then, then we'll read it. So anyway, I think last week it was just like an introduction to this because I shared when I received the offering. Remember I said there are many reasons Jesus came. He came to demonstrate the Father's love, right? For God so loved the world. He came to destroy the works of the devil, right? For this purpose the Son of Man was manifest. He came to seek and save that which was lost, right? You know, I, I saw something this week as I was sharing with the Ugandans. When Jesus left the 99, he left them in the wilderness. Wait a minute. And I'd never seen You left them in the wilderness. The wilderness, that's where the wild animals. But then it dawned on me. Wait, he didn't leave them in the wilderness out of neglect. He, led, he left the 99 in the wilderness, even though there were wild animals, because of his great love for the one that was lost. He wasn't neglecting the 99. He was running after the one. And that's the way God's love is today, isn't it? Man, he's running after the one. His passion is for the one that's lost. And then Jesus came to do the will of the Father. He came to forgive sin. He came for the fall and the rising of many. And you have to get that in the right order. Before there's a rising, sometimes there must be a fall. But those who've fallen, those are the ones who, they have nowhere else to look but up. And the further you fall, the further you can stand when you get back up. Does that make sense? Now look in verse 49. Here's another reason. Jesus said, I came to send fire on the earth. And how I wish, Jesus said this, how I wish it were already kindled. Now, sin means to ignite. I came to ignite. I came to cast. I wish means I will, I desire, or I intend. It's the intention of the Lord. And how I wish it were already kindled really basically means I really wish it was already set on fire. Now remember Revelation chapter 3. The scripture where Jesus to the church of Laodicea, he says, I would that you were hot, you know, or cold. But because you're lukewarm, what does he say he's going to do? I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. 
Well, that's, that's the same context. You say, well, Lord, Lord, I don't want to be lukewarm. How can, how can I escape being lukewarm? Well, he gave us the answer. Do you remember what it is? He says, I counsel you. How many of you know if the Lord gives you counsel, you probably should listen? Because he's a wonderful counselor. He says, I counsel you to buy from me. You're not going to get it anywhere else. You get it from me. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. Good counsel. So we're going to have to purchase. Okay, I want to look at some characteristics of fire. This is what I... Boy, that was a timely word. Now, you know, Daniel had... He had that song ready last week, and I said, you should wait till this week. I didn't know for sure I was going to preach this message. I didn't know all that was going to happen. I just want to always be on time. Any of you want to be on time? I I don't want to say what God said. I want to say what He's saying. Man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And you should preach as if you're preaching the oracles of God. Not a message that would have fit back 50 years ago when everything was... It was more wicked than we thought. They did things under the ground. They snuck them in. And we sat by, but anyway, that's a different story. Anyway, some characteristics about fire. Number one, it warms. You appreciate fire on a cold winter night. I do. Um, some of my best times. I love just staring at the fire. Anybody else, you just sit outside, you're cold, just stare at the fire. And then it cooks. I'm not a fan of rare meat. Anybody like rare? You, some of you guys, you got there. You, yeah, it figures. Jay loves rare. I figured he would like rare. <laughs> yeah, I don't even like medium rare. I don't like any red. I don't like the red. Take it back. Yeah, just wait. I don't know. My mom always cooked it well. You're probably a result of the way you were brought up. In that regard, I I don't know, but. Anyway, it ignites. Ignition. It's like a spark plug. It illuminates so you can see. It burns up. And we've been burning the, the excess from the trees that we brought down. It burns it all up. And then it spreads, especially revival fire. You remember that song we used to sing, It Only Takes a Spark to Get a Fire Going. And then all those around can warm up and it's glowing. But anyway, and then it's dangerous. Fire can be dangerous. Do you know if you play with fire, you can get burned? That's Scripture. Proverbs 6, 27. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? And right now, you know, we have to stand up as parents. Grandparents, you know, they're forcing. They've not asked our permission. They're forcing transgenderism. It's actually transhumanism. And they're forcing it down the throats of our children. How I many of you know that's not a good idea? You play with fire. Now, I know that scripture in Proverbs in the, in the context is adultery. You, okay... You play around with adultery, you're going to find the fire is going to burn you. And he goes on and on, but you know we have to take a stand. Disney is going the direction they're going. I'm not going that way. And you're going to have to make a choice. Don't, listen, you play with a little fire. Say, well, a little Disney won't bother them. And you know the church is going to have... If you remain silent in the face of evil, I think you become complicit in the face of evil. If you commit murder and you get caught, you're going to prison. But what about the person that, that drives the murderer to the location? They're going, they're going to serve time. 
And I believe the American church has been, too, has been silent way too long. Maybe the people wanted them to be silent. Well, you need to get more people. Get away from that people, but you need to be, this is not the time to be quiet. And it's the time to speak up and tell the truth. Jesus said, I wish that fire was already on the earth. I wonder if one of the reasons is because the church has been so silent. Anyway, there are types or purposes of fire. Number one is the refiner's fire. We've already talked about it. Daniel read, or Daniel sang about it. But look over in the book of Malachi. Say, Malachi. Better read Malachi because when you get to heaven, you're going to run into Malachi. And he's going to say, did you read my book? I read your book, Malachi. It's a great book. You need to read it, especially in this hour. Look in verse, or chapter 3. Verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. That was another scripture that came It was in Daniel's song, but Stephen Francis said that's the calling of this pulpit to prepare the way and even to pronounce the judgments. It didn't take God long to answer that. And that's just part of our calling. Prepare the way. I will send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant... In whom you delight. Behold, he is coming. How many of you can hear that? Trumpet. Sound in this hour. He is coming. But he goes on. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. And like a launderer or a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner. And he will purify And a purifier of silver, he will purify the sons of Levi. Now, who are the sons of Levi? The priest. Who are the priests of today? How many of you, everyone raise your hand. We are priesthood of believers. So you're in the scripture. He will sit as a refiner. He will purify and purge them. As gold and silver. Now why would God do that? What kind of church is he coming for? A pure, spotless bride? Because that's what he says. He will purify them that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. And then he comes to the household of God first. And then, look in verse 4. Then... The offering of God in Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old. In verse 5, and I will come near you, say near. I will come near you for judgment. I'm coming to the household of God first. Then I'm going to come near the household of God for judgment. And I will be a swift witness against, I appreciate how Malachi first mentioned sorcery. Because pharmakia is sorcery. And it's a curse. And God's going to bring them to judgment. And if it was up to me, that fire would have already been released on the earth. But Stephen told us that was one of the five things that God is going to judge. Pharmakia. Anyway... It's good that he's God and not me. Because the damage and the death that has been done. God will have the final word. And then against adulterers. I'm just, that's what he said. Perjurer. Now you know what perjury is, right? You swear falsely. All the the false. And then against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans. And that's happening even as we speak in creating. You know, there's never... As I look in history, maybe there's some that haven't. But most of the famines were not because of they ran out of food. It's because of the policies of wicked men. That's what happened in Ukraine. 
It was the policies of wicked, evil men that brought about famine. But then you know there's the famine that's the judgment of God. So how does it all fit? Cry out to God regardless. Regardless. Because ultimately, it's not my fear of what men do. My, my fear is of God. And if I fear God, I'll move in godly fear, do what He says, and trust Him regardless of what happens. Because He's my trust, He's my hope, and He's the one. He's my sustainer, my keeper. And it's going to be, anyway, against wage earners, widows, orphans, and against those who turn away an alien, because they do not fear me, says the Lord. You know what a fuller soap is, right? It's the, it's the fuller's the one who whitens cloth by pounding it with your fist or you stomp on it or you have a big club but you get all the impurities out. It's a rather violent act. Have you know God, listen, God is a violent God. If you read the Bible, He's not some pansy tiptoeing through the tulips. He's a God of war and a God of love. You got to have both. Some folks just focus on one, some focus on the other. How many of you know the, the, the American church, they've erred on the, on he's just love, 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 love. Well, he is. But the wrath of God is even now upon all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And I could read on and on, but that'd take too long. Another scripture, Daniel chapter 12. You guys are awful quiet. You need to say something. Because I have a picture in my mind that throwing apples at me and oranges and onions. You know, I'm ducking... You know. Yeah, man, I just, I'm, I'm enjoying this time. Yeah, even so come. You just say, even so come. And then we've said that. Now I know why they prayed that. And we're going to know it in this day. Because if he doesn't, the wickedness would just, anyway... Let's trust God. Look in Daniel chapter 12. You know, there's a time of trouble such as it's never been. And, you know, you can't get hung up about that because Jesus said, in this life you're going to have trouble. Nevertheless, be of good cheer. Because I've overcome the world. And at that time, your people... Now, this is what I underline in verse... Is this verse 1? And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who's found written in the book... And then there'll be a great resurrection. But look in verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. And here's an indication of how you will know when you're approaching the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. If we're not living in that hour, you can find out anything you want as long as we have Google. You ask any question. You'll come up with the answer just like that. How I many of you noticed that? Knowledge. Man thinks they're awful smart. And anyway, it's that scripture in verse 7 nobody wants to read. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered. And I heard and I did not understand. And I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of all these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up until the time of the end. But here's the key. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined. But the wicked, what are they going to do? They're going to continue to do their wickedness. And none of the wicked will understand, but the wise will understand. So in the midst of the refiner's fire, we know that our God is a good God. And that Romans 8.28 applies to whatever you face in this life. All things, even the refiner's fire, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. Say the refiner's fire is a good thing. If you don't say it, now some of you didn't say it. 
just remember, just remember, I said that so that when that time comes, you can say, well, I didn't say it then, but I'm going to say it now by faith. The refiner's fire is a good thing. My God is as good as, he's good he's ever been. He's still God and he's still good. And he's in me, he's with me. And then he's a consuming fire. Now, you know that scripture over in Hebrews chapter 12. I'll try to just skip. I'll just skip that part, but I won't skip it. I'll just sum it up. What does he say in Hebrews chapter 12? Everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that that which remains, only that which he has created or that which God has done will remain. Right? So the the shaking is going to be like a great separation. You start shaking Things are going to fall to the ground. You know, and the shaking, it's, it's, it must happen. It's part of the process of God. Now, who's the one doing the shaking? The devil? No, God. I yet once more indicates, I will shake. God is speaking for himself. He's quoting. Now, you know, James chapter 3 the tongue can be like a fire, a world of iniquity. It defiles entire bodies, sets on fire the course of nature. Well, if the tongue can destroy, then God, as a consuming fire, now not only is that destructive, but it's also constructive. Because He spreads, He consumes it all. I believe He's a consuming fire. And I'm not looking for the destructiveness of that. I'm expecting what God is going to consume and bring Him great glory. And then there's the unquenchable fire. Now this I need to show you. Luke chapter 3. You know, just um, let your fingers do the walking. Through Luke... Chapter 3, verse 16. Let's just look at this. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, and I'm not worthy to loose. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff, he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, you know what a winnowing fan is, right? It's this wooden shovel, you know, and you, there it is. Hey, it just happened to show up. You know, you, you just got a pole on the end of it, I guess, or maybe you just hold it. But you throw the wheat up into the, the grain, into the air, the grain, and then, you know, the heavy will fall back. But the chaff will be blown away by the wind. It's the separating process of God. And it's an unquenchable fire. Look over in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. You guys, you okay on time? Michael's pizza will be late. It's okay. And, uh, but Mark chapter 9, look at this. Um... Oh, man, we just read this scripture in verse 49 and, and 50. I wish I didn't, Lord, some of this stuff you almost wish you didn't know. I'm just being honest. Can I be honest? Verse 49, for everyone, everyone, say everyone, will be seasoned with fire. Everyone and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Now, you know there's another scripture, another translation, Matthew, that if the salt loses its saltiness, what happens? What did the Lord say? It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and to be trampled underfoot by men. Can I tell you, that's where a lot of the so-called church in America is at this very moment. It's lost its saltiness. So Jesus, what are you going to do about it? 
I'm going to toss them out, and they're going to be trampled underfoot by men. Now, some people don't agree with what Jesus said. I promise you what he said trumps what you think. It's the word of the Lord that will endure forever, not your opinion. And that will stand the test of time. But anyway, back up in a little bit. He talks about three things that can cause someone to spend eternity in hell. Number one, his hand. Verse 43, if your hand causes you to sin, what does he say? Cut it off. It'd be better for you to enter into eternal life with one hand than then be cast into fire with both of your hands. And then he uses the foot. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter into eternity, lame, than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched. And the last thing is what? The eye. This especially is what tricks up men. Men, they're motivated by what they see. And you have to guard your eye gate. Make a covenant with God with your eye. But he says, if your eye causes you to sin, Jesus said, pluck your eye out. Now that sounds rather gross. Extreme. Well, let me tell you. It might be extreme. And I understand all the theological... But living in hell is very extreme. So that's what he's saying. And there's something about that he says about hell that's interesting. He says, the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And the worm refers to probably many opinions, but I've heard it and I read in one commentary, is the gnawing anguish. The gnaw, it, it will, there'll be an anguish that'll gnaw you forever. That you had an opportunity to live for Jesus, to surrender to Him. And you'll be in anguish. It'll never go out. It's an unquenchable fire. Whatever. And there's so much more we could say about that. All I know is what the Bible says. I know in this day they say, there's no hell. God would never do anything like that. He wouldn't. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. It's just that many are going to follow their master into his eternity, his eternity, simply because they refused the grace of God, the goodness of God. You refuse his goodness, the other side is the only other option. There's the goodness of God and the severity of God, right? There's only two options. Religion says there's two or three or four. No, there's only two. Either you're for him or you're against him. And if you are not for him, you are against him. If you're not for the truth, then you must obviously be standing for that which is a lie. Right? If you remain silent in the midst and the face of evil, you're complicit with evil. Somebody needs to tell the American church that. People are dying on your watch. Do you know what happens to watchmen that do not sound the alarm when they see the sword coming? I had a little glimpse of hell one time. I'm not preaching on hell right now. I'm just referring to it. But I have preached on hell. And I saw... As I was getting ready to preach that message, I had a glimpse into hell and I saw people there that I would have never believed would have been there. And I think that's what God wanted to show me. That there will be people there you would have never have imagined. You thought they were some of the most religious and they maybe were. That's what they were. They were some of the most religious. And they may have done great works, those that prophesied or done many great things, but they didn't know him. And I was thinking, you know, a watchman that does not warn the people. The Bible's clear, their blood I will require. And so there will be pastors 
In that day of judgment, blood will be dripping off of their hands of all the people that they were too afraid to warn. Now, I don't know how all that wraps up. I just know it's probably not a good idea to have your hands dripping with blood. And then there's the vengeance of fire. Boy, I'm glad we're talking about fire. It's going to get good, but hang on. It is good. Say, it is good. God is good. All right, look at 1 Thessalonians. I'm glad I don't have to preach this next week. I had to preach it this week. And I think he's put something in my heart for next week. And I'm hoping that's the word. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I don't like... I I just... If it was up to me... No, I wouldn't be that way. Because he made me. I'm going to follow him regardless. How many of you are there? I know... Men will go their own way. There's a way that seems right. To them, that's the best way. But the end thereof. And in fact, this Christian life is not about doing your thing anyway. It's not about going your own way anyway. It's about Him. Following the way. I am the way. I am the truth. It's no other. The truth. And I'm the life. The vengeance of fire. First Thessalonians. No, Second Thessalonians. In chapter 1 and uh, verse 3 says, We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you abounds, so that we ourselves boast of you. And he's bragging about the love among the churches of God and because of their, in verse 4, their patience and their faith. Now, how will patience be recognized unless there's something happening that would cause you to be mighty impatient. And how will your faith be made known other than in situations where you could be tempted to have no faith at all? So he's recognizing their patience and their faith in all your persecutions. There's, there it is right there. And tribulations that you endure. Now, didn't Michael give us, quote, that scripture? He that endures to the end. Well, that's what the scripture says. And what is this, Lord? Okay, so we're enduring tribulation and persevering, all these things, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom for which you also suffer. I wish I could take that part out. I'm just being honest. It's there. And it's good. It's good that it's there. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulations those who trouble you. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed with His mighty angels. But look in verse 8. In flaming fire, taking what? Vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. When He comes in that day to be glorified among His saints. So there's the vengeance of fire. Now, our challenge will be, is vengeance is not of you and me, right? You can't carry out the vengeance. When I heard the report this week that they're going to be voting very quickly about giving infants Two months, four months, six months, they're going to add the shot. There was a rather anger of the Lord and a vengeance that rose up. But Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Do not avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance 
is mine, says the Lord. Can I tell you, there's coming a day of vengeance. And then there's the violence of fire. Hebrews chapter 11. A couple more things. We'll pray. But I want to show you this. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 34. There were those who quenched the violence of fire. They quenched. Now I know there's the unquenchable fire of God. But this says they were those who quenched the violence of fire. So that meant that it was not the fire of God. It was the fire started by the foolishness of wicked men. Do you know that can happen? Do you know, I mean, all you have to do is go start a fire. You can bring great destruction. And many have done that. But there's a spiritual application. For example, passing executive orders that will cause famine. That's fire. That's a fire that will spread. You don't play with things like this. And because he's, anyway, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. But it means, if you're going to put out the fires of men, now this is the good part. It means to extinguish or hinder or thwart. So what does that mean to us? That means that you and I, as the church of Jesus Christ, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. There's something in us that can even thwart the wicked, evil plans and counsel of men whose fires would bring about destruction. You and I, as the church, living by faith, can even quench and thwart the violence of fire. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. This is what this prayer training really is about. Rising up, being the church, and thwarting the plans of hell. That's our purpose. I know it's easier said than done. That's why we need training, need encouraging, need to walk with one another of like-mindedness. Because as you see the day approaching, you gather together. You don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the manner of some, especially as you see the day approaching. And then there's a protective fire. You know, Exodus 13, the cloud by day and the fire by night that led them. But not only did it lead them and illuminate the night, it illuminated the night. That clicks. So regardless of how dark it gets, there is a fire, a pillar of fire that is going to illuminate even the darkness. But also it had to be pretty intimidating to the enemy, to the Egyptians. Can you imagine a pillar of fire? How many would you go after somebody if a pillar of fire is standing between you and them? Hey, listen, this is the time we got to believe. Pull at man, don't hold anything back. Just believe God, everything He said. Believe the ands, buts, ifs, and then. Just believe. God, you said, Amen, I believe it. Amen. I don't know what it means, but I believe it. So be it, God. I'm going to trust you. I think He's looking for that. Just people that are going to believe God. Childlike faith. God, I don't understand a lick of things that are happening out here. But I know you're a great God and you live inside of me. Greater is he that's in me than he lives in this world. And you, you might just be honest. that God, if it's up to me, I'd, I would, I'd go after him, God. But you said vengeance is not mine. So I'm going to trust you. Let me tell you, we're going to see the glory of God. Those folks out there telling people the glory of God is coming, they're only telling them the... <laughs> Many of them are going to miss the glory because they're not prepared for what comes before it and with it. So they're going to vacate the premises right before Jesus walks in. Anyway, that's my own frustration. Have mercy on me, Jesus. He does. And then there's empowering fire. 
Now, there's other fires, the testing fire, and the, but I'd like the empowering fire, and that's the one I'm going to end on if I have any say-so about it. Because he said, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So that is what we're going to trust in. Because if you're on fire, how's that fire out there going to bother you? What could it possibly do? If you're already under the consuming fire. He is a consuming. He is a consuming fire. So I want to pray. And I know the fire's here. So I'm just agreeing. Okay, so anyway. We agreed with all that other part. The judgments. We said, even so come Lord Jesus. Now how do we agree with what was spoken about four generations of fire. Anybody have a clue? How did Mary agree when the angel said, you will give birth to a son? She just let it be, according to your word. Because it ain't going to happen. I I don't even know a man. This is not going to happen by me. Well, it ain't going to happen. It ain't by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So anyway, so we're going to say yes and amen. So can we just say all this together? Come on up. Why why don't you guys stand? And then we're going to open up the altar for prayer. You guys good? I'm glad we're not on a schedule anymore. You know, there's no schedule. There'll be days we'll have church all day. It'll just be the way it used to be. America was founded. Man, they would gather around. They'd have dinner on the grounds. They'd baptize in places just like I saw that happened this week in Uganda. They were just the people of God. The kingdom was their life. The kingdom of God was everything. They probably bartered with one another. They probably brought some eggs. Last night when I was getting my eggs, I put... I've done this before. I put them in my pocket because... And I forget they're there. And you know, you're fooling around. And just, you know, it's, it's happened many times. You know, don't put eggs in your pocket. You know. But anyway, what I'm saying is the kingdom. Is the kingdom, the kingdom. We're a family, guys. Every one of us, we're family. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. I don't know all they planned. I have no confidence in man. My confidence is in God. But you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to more than make it. We're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So, Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You, God. Your Word never returns void. It always accomplishes Your purpose. And I thank You that there are always signs and wonders that follow the preaching of the Word. And I pray now, God, for signs that would cause people to wonder. Lord, I ask God, restore the wonder. Let Jesus be made famous in our midst again. Lord, in the church and our nation, God, I thank you. There are faithful ones all over this land. And they've been called to certain localities for such a time as this. And they're going to be the people of God. You said those who know their God shall be strong. And they shall carry out great exploits. And I thank you. It doesn't matter the age. Lord, I thank you, God. The youngest among us are going to see some of the greatest spectacular acts of God through simple faith. Because you said without faith it's impossible to please you. And I thank you, God, if we have faith just even the size of a grain of mustard seed. Lord, that obviously seems to be enough. Because our faith is not in our faith. Our faith is in our God. And we give you glory, Lord. And so, Father, regarding four generations of fire, I don't understand. I don't understand. But all I say is yes, Lord. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Yes and amen, God. Lord, let it be recorded in the books of heaven 
that on this day, April the 3rd, 2022, we agreed and we said, four generations of fire, four generations of fire, it shall be, let it be, according to your word. In the name of your Son, Christ Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray for everyone in this room, those that are watching. I pray for just God, the fire that is here. I pray, stir it up, Lord. Stir fresh fire in this place. God, let us be fire starters everywhere we go. Lord, as people begin to look on the shelves in Food Lion, God, when we're there, let fire break out. Let fire break out, God. The fire of God, Lord, this is the time. This is the time. This is the time. Behold, the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. And I thank you, God, you're coming just as you promised. And you're a good, good, good God. If you're watching right now or you're in this room and you've never met Jesus, we want to pray the prayer of faith. And, and the Bible says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. You have to believe that you need God. You don't come to Him when you want to. You come when He draws you. No one can come unless the Father draws him. There's the conviction. I pray that all the time. God, bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because it's only the convicting power of the Spirit that can draw men to that place of conversion. And Lord, and I just pray that right now. But, and so then you acknowledge your need of Jesus. You confess your sin. The Bible says we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And you confess it. And if you repent, that means change. You say, God, I'm willing to turn my life. I'm willing to turn from sin. And I'm willing to change and turn my life over to you. And God will give you the grace. He'll give you the ability, the power to do that. You come to Him as you are. Come as you are. And you just call on Him. You believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. You confess Him with your mouth, but you believe in your heart. And I want to pray right now, just if there's someone here and uh, someone watching, just say, Dear God, just pray this out loud. Just, Lord, dear God, Lord, we need You. We believe in You. And I confess that Jesus is Lord. That He died and He rose from the dead. And I ask You to forgive me of all my sin. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. He died for me. There's nothing God can't forgive. And I turn from sin and I turn to you. And I call upon you as my Lord. I believe in you in my heart. I confess you with my mouth. And I thank you. And I receive you by faith. In Jesus' name. Amen.